Angela. We're just going to go into the word of the Lord today. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where, no, pardon me, John chapter 1, Deuteronomy 6 we will get to, but John's gospel chapter number 1. John is not a synoptic gospel because he wasn't on location like Matthew, Mark, and Luke for most of the events that each of them witnessed. Synoptic meaning Matthew has a version of how the thousands were fed, Mark has a version, and Luke has a version. They were all there, but they saw it through their own set of eyes and their own way of processing what was going on. John wasn't. John was there for some of the events, but that's why John's gospel is separated from the synoptic versions, and he stands alone as one with an intense vision of, of the power and the magnitude, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. The Bible said there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. We're jumping down now to John 1, verse 19. Amen. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to him to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? said, I'm not. Are you that prophet? And he answered, no. And then said they unto him, who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That should be every one of our testimonies today. I am just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Then why do you baptize? And if you be not that Christ or Elijah or that prophet, verse 26, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you know not. Indictment. Indeed, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchets, shoes latchet, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptized. From verse 26, John chapter 1 again, show the people please. Thank you, sister. John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you. And my title today is, There's One Among Us. Sorry for the lengthy reading. You're standing, but I stand longer than you do. In the name of Jesus, we bless your good name, Lord, and thankful we are for your mercy. Thankful for your spirit, God, and your anointing, and for the house of God, the people of God, the bride of Christ. Thankful for them, Lord, today. Would you feed our heart? Would you renew our mind? Would you encourage our soul? And we're thankful for it, God, as we give you praise in the name of Jesus. There's one 
among us, you may be seated. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, all the way through 9, is what is known as the Jewish creed or the Shema. Hear, O Israel. Three times in the King James translation of your Bible, that creed is professed, that claim is made. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Shema is the absolute declaration of the Hebrew believers' faith in God. It's quoted when they get up in the morning, and it's quoted in bedtime prayers at night. It's the first prayer stock of Abraham Jews are taught to ever pray. It's the last word stock of Abraham Jews will say before they die. Hear, O Israel, I am always at a loss for words when I look into indifferent eyes of people born again of the water and of the Spirit and see completely indifferent boredom when you talk about the manifestation of hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Throughout all of time, the cry of the Shema has always symbolized the ultimate manifestation of our faith. What good is it to say you believe in God if he's just some, if he's just some unknown product that's out there and we have no personal walk or relationship with him? It's been said that the Shema was heard like clockwork as millions of Jews were thrown into Nazi gas chambers from 1941 to 1945. In they went, and they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Same thing for the Inquisition and the slaughtering of innocent people by the many thousands of numbers. Hallelujah. Hebrew Rabbi Shraga Simmons said, when we quote the Shema, we are testifying to the absolute oneness of God Almighty, unquote. James put it this way in chapter 2, verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils, and really that is a Greek word for demons right there. Devils should never be pluralized. There's only one of those. There are untold numbers of demons, but the demons and the devil also believe and tremble. We used to sing the chorus around here, me and the devil, we don't agree. I hate the devil and he hates me. But there's one thing the devil and I agree about, and that there is one God. He knows it and I agree with it, that after him there is no other. Here, oh Israel. Hallelujah. And the Old Testament writer said as he closed out that street of, of the law, he said, have we not all one father, Malachi 2.10, and hath not one God created us? This is why it's important. Because this truth of here, O Israel, is what separates the body of Christ, the church, the blood-bought body of Christ, the bride, that's what separates the real church from all false religions. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being attacking or judgmental or hateful. 
I'm thankful for people that have any semblance, any desire to get right with God. They may start over there or start over there or even start here. But it does matter as we grow in our relationship with God what we believe about here, O Israel. This truth separates the body of Christ from all false, deceptive religious claims. And so when someone says to you on the street, what does your church believe? First words out of our mouth, Father. We believe in one God, and his name is Jesus. He's Father in creation, Son in redemption. He's the Holy Ghost in the church today. That's what makes us different. It's not the shouting, they shout down the road. It's not the music, they've got music across the way. It's here, oh Israel. Every precious truth found in the word of God, is, is, it devolves, it comes from the truth of here, oh Israel. I'm saying, there's one among us today. Damn, my Diet Pepsi guy fell asleep today, I guess. A water guy, too. There is. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2.5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Speaking of, obviously, it explains itself. I don't have to make commentary here. But speaking of the 33 and a half years that Jesus lived as a man on the earth. He was the propitiation in his earthly body. He was the go-between. He was the liaison. He was that which represented you and I. And Paul wrote again in Galatians 3 verse 20 that God is one. Every church that Paul preached at, he taught them the basics of here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Does it matter? It absolutely matters. It is the bedrock of why you are born again today of water and spirit. It is the seed of why you are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of your testimony. It is the foundation of everything we have today in our life that we give God credit for giving us. It is the absolute beginning, first base. Webster said to be monotheistic is to believe and follow the biblical doctrine of the existence of only one God. And the Shema is declaring that all events, every event, be those evil or good. Every event, whether like Brother Josh said Tuesday night, everything God does, the devil reacts with something evil. Send a real man of God, the devil sends a false prophet. Send a praying man, the devil sends a carnal man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. And the Shema is declaring that all events stem from the truth of one true God. Isaiah said it this way, chapter 44, verse 6. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Pretty straightforward. The ancient rabbis say that Shema shields you and I 
from idolatry. I want to say it again. Ancient rabbis write, I've read it with my own eyes, that the Shema is our shield from committing idolatry. Why it's so important? So that other things don't creep into our life and become more important than here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Idolatry by Webster's definition is anything worshipped other than the one true God, unquote. That's why Exodus 20, verse 3, the first of all commandments that God gave concerning the ten at least, was have no other gods beside me. Get this, I said it already, but idolatry was born when the first commandment was disobeyed. Idolatry is born when I disobey the first commandment. If I put anything before God, can I go anywhere today with this message? I, I hope someone's... You have to shut me off already. Anytime we put anything before God, we are committing idolatry. Now, that's a little straight for some of us. We don't like that. But it's in your Bible. No other gods before or beside me. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 10, we are to worship the Lord thy God and him only. Him only. Him only. Shalt thou serve the Jews? When I say the Jews, I mean the stock of Abraham, as Paul the Apostle referred to. Believe that the Shema is the richest portion that can be found of all Holy Scripture. The richest. We talk from time to time in this congregation about uh, sweet spots or hot spots or uh, positive points you turn to. Some say the Psalms or the Proverbs or James and and you have places in your life or in the Bible in your life where you go to when you're lonely or depressed or angry or happy. But according to them, they believe this should be the very hot spot of every believer's life. Hear, O Israel. And by the way, I'm just stopping short there. Go read when you have time all the way down through verse 9 of, of Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's the Shema. The Jews believe it's the richest portion of Holy Scripture. It's on their phylacteries, not inside. Those little leather boxes they wear on their wrist, around their, the band of their head, those are to, con to contain, as they place in there, their places of Scripture that feed them, that encourage them, that protect them. But printed on the outside of the phylactery is here, O Israel. It supersedes everything. It goes beyond all Scripture, all places that you consider sweet or personal in your life. The Shema is the richest portion of Holy Scripture. Why? Because they say the Shema proves that God alone is sovereign, supreme, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And He's only one God. He provides every need. He goes beyond every barrier. He goes beyond every obstruction and that that truth lives that truth lives in one portion of scripture Daniel we'll look at this scripture one more time but in Daniel 7 verse 9 Daniel called him the one true God the God of the Shema the God of the phylactery the ancient of days 
in our society, in our community, in our country, certainly in the political struggle that's going on in our, in our nation. There's so much disrespect and ill intention cast out at the senior generation of society. Probably where you work. But in retail environments where everything's going young today, sports are going young. Now we get it. Younger, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. We understand that. But when Daniel called him the Ancient of Days, that was not a, a threat. That was not a ridicule. That was not calling him old man. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anybody that I know personally that called their parents the old man or the old lady. My dad told us when that phrase started catching on in society, I'll smack your mouth, son, if you ever call me old man or your mother old lady. And, and to a six or seven or eight or nine-year-old boy, I didn't say, oh, yeah, I want to see if you really will. I knew he would. But that was not Daniel's intention. Daniel was revering the one true God. God was saying he's been around since the beginning of it all. He's got the experience and the wisdom and the knowledge, which is what we are all searching for. 1 Kings 22, 19, Micah the prophet called the one true God, Lord. Look at this situation. And in Isaiah 6, 3, the angels called the one true God, Lord of hosts. And in Revelation 4, verse 8, the beast called him Lord God Almighty. Many offices, many positions, many titles, one God. Listen closely to Exodus 3, verse 14. When Jehovah calls himself the I Am, he told Moses, you just tell Pharaoh, I Am has sent you. Now you fast forward a couple of thousand years, and here's Jesus in this combative situation with the Pharisees. And they're asking him, who do you think you are? You aren't even old enough. To, you're not even 50 years old yet. You don't know our father Abraham. And in John 8, 58, Jesus says, well, just for your information, before Abraham was, I am. Jehovah and Jesus said it. And then comes Stephen in Acts 7, 59, and he's giving his life. They are stoning Stephen to death. And the Bible said, he's calling upon God, saying, Lord, there's that same title Micah the prophet used, same one the angels used, the same one the beast used. And now Stephen is using it. Lord Jesus. If you're one of these type of note takers, give you something to write down. If you're not, okay. Strong's reference number 6918 for Old Testament words is spelled Q-A-D-O-W-S-H, Kadosh. It interprets Jehovah as the Holy One 50 times in the Old Testament. All right? Q-A-D-O-W-S-H, Kadosh. And the Strong Concordance 6918 interprets Jehovah as the Holy One 50 times in the Old Testament. But there's a New Testament Greek compound word, 
A-Y-L-O-S-H-A-G-I-O-S, Hylos Hagios, calls Jesus the Holy One. Now, listen, the Bible never contradicts itself. Let me just fast forward in your profound research, Facebook listener. Let me go way beyond where you've got or you've arrived at today. If you think you found contradiction, you just haven't looked long enough. Keep looking, keep searching, keep digging. The Bible has zero, zero contradiction. So if Jehovah is called the Holy One 50 times in the Old Testament and Jesus is called the Holy One in the New Testament, that's not a contradiction. The word is confirmation. Not contradiction, but confirmation. And since it is impossible by pure deduction, brother and sister, to have two holy ones, I gather that Jehovah of the Old Testament and Jesus of the New Testament are the same one true God that the Shema is written and delivered to us for. That's why, again, Isaiah 44, verse 6, Jehovah said, I am the first and I am the last. That's Jehovah, your Old Testament. But fast forward to Revelation 1, verse 11. Revelation, that's the New Testament. And Revelation 1, verse 11, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. first and the last. Wait a second. Jehovah said he was the first and last. Now if you believe it according to the traditional religious society, you've got a contradiction here. Because Jesus comes along saying, wait a second, I am the first and the last. That's not a contradiction. That's a confirmation that here, O Israel, the Lord All right, some more. Isaiah 54, verse 5, Jehovah is called the husband of the bride. But Paul comes along in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, and he's presenting this chaste virgin to Christ. He's the one husband. How about Exodus 6, verse 3, when God calls himself, the, he calls himself almighty. Name of God Almighty. Then you fast forward to Revelation 1 verse 8, and Jesus calls himself the Almighty. Revelation 1 8. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, was, 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 Jehovah. And it's to come the Almighty. So you've got Jehovah saying he's Almighty and Jesus saying he's Almighty. There's not that kind of war going on in heaven, brother. There's no war going on in heaven at all, praise the Lord. There's one, John said, that sits on the throne. All right, I, I'll, just, I'll just give you the word today. Daniel again, verse seven, chapter 7, verse 9. 
described what he saw in the presence of the Lord Jesus, in the presence of Jehovah. His garment, his hair, his eyes, this profound description of fiery uh, presence of God. Now fast forward to Revelation 1, 13, 14, and 15. This is what John sees, and he describes it verbatim, what, Je what Jehovah was described like by Daniel. And John sees the same fiery personality, the same eyes, a flame of fire, the same hair. Contradiction, not a chance. Confirmation, absolutely. Absolutely. And John 1, verse 1, I hope we got that in the uh, classify or classic, yeah. Hallelujah. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Him. hard to argue with that. What makes you different than anybody other believer out there? What I'm talking about this morning. I'm saying there's one among us. I don't have to worry who I offend if I don't pray to the right person. I'm not, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be ugly. If you think that was a shot at anybody that believes otherwise, I I, then I said it wrong. I came across wrong. I do not intend anybody's feelings to be hurt. But let me tell you what the truth of the matter is. There's only one. And it is not confusing. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. That's why he said, if you ask anything in my name. Because Jesus is the name above all other names. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. I said it before, I'm going to say it again. According to the scriptures, Jehovah of the Old Testament is the same one as Jesus in the New Testament. That's why John said, I saw a throne and he that sat upon it. No mention of his right hand. That was the position Jesus occupied as the go-between, as the advocate. He was the right hand of God, the authority of God. That's, it's representative of the power of God, the right hand. His right hand and his holy arm, the writer said, has gotten him the victory. He is Father in creation, Son in redemption, and He is the Holy Ghost in the church today. I, I pray I don't offend anyone online or in person today, but when we ask for help in life, when you pray in your own fashion and way, however you do it, However you go about praying, in your closet, in your car, in the church, hopefully you're praying somewhere. But however you pray and wherever you're at, the critical issue of your prayer is not just your request. Lord, you see that I have need. You see that I am confused. You see that I'm wounded. Help me here, help me there, help me anywhere. The critical part 
of your prayer is in Jesus' name. How you seal it, how you, I don't care if you start Father, you start God, you start Jesus, you start Holy Ghost. I don't care how you start your prayer. But it's how you end it that gives it clout and authority in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be splitting hairs here to some of you, but I'm not splitting hairs according to the scripture. So when you pray, it's not, it's not okay to say, I pray this in Christ's name. That's not his name. That was the position he occupied. But he has a name. He has an actual name, a surname. He was Christ the Savior. That's not his name. You need to use your voice to utter his name, which is above all other names. I didn't ask you that. Jesus said, when you ask, ask it in my name. That's the, that's the combination. That's the password. All heaven bows its knee to the name that's above all other names. I'm saying there's one among us. What makes you unique is your relationship with that one true God. That's why when you repent of your sins and you ask to be water baptized, we don't sprinkle water on you. Again, I pray, I pray. Cindy Herring was Catholic when I met her. I'm not throwing mud at anybody. But I'm, saying, I'm talking in the scriptures. The word baptized means to immerse. You, you won't find it anywhere in your Bible to sprinkle. That's not baptism. Baptism is by immersion. It represents the grave. You don't throw a few specks of dirt on people you're burying. You put them down under. It's a type and shadow of death. Dying out in repentance. Burial in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together. How? Oh, you one of them Jesus name believers. Thank you for recognizing it. I read the book written by Jimmy Swagger years ago, The Error with the Jesus Only Doctrine. It was recommended in a Bible class I was in, and I read it. Don't know the man, swinging no mud at the man. Don't know where he got his information. But I read it, and when I set that thing down after finishing, I thought at the time, Joshua 7, I said to myself and to my wife and anybody else, the teacher that recommended I read it, I said, my seven-year-old son could out-debate the logic this man uses. Millions, millions of copies sold. No. There's not a preacher I know of the faith that will tell you they don't believe in three manifestations of God that are presently at work in this world. Sure we do. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it's in your word. But Jesus is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
That's why he said, when you get together in my name, one among us, one among us. Oh, pastor, they got a bigger band down the street. Oh, pastor, their preacher's more eloquent than you are down the street. Oh, I didn't think we gathered for eloquence or the band. We gathered because he said, I'll be in the middle of your company. You take your own time and look through your New Testament and look how often, how frequently we are told, we're recommended, it's requested of us to use the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or do, deed, do it in the name of Jesus. That's everything. Everything you do. But religion, religion is a big business. I don't know, at, at the top of my head, Brother Rick, the name escapes me. Who wrote Battle Hymn of the Republic? His truth is marching on. Truth is marching on. I said there's one among us. All it takes, all it takes is someone calling on in sincerity the name of Jesus. Do you know according to the Bible, angels are on their face before the Lord Jesus Christ. They are at flank attention when he utters their, their, their presence to be in his company. At the name of Jesus, the Bible said, every knee shall bow. I, I'm not in a debate today, but just to throw this out there for people that want to differentiate the Godhead and believe that Jesus was literally at the right hand of God and not that it was a figurative portion of language symbolizing the power of God, which it was, but some people say it's not, it's, that it's literal. And if God has a right hand, literally, then he's got a right leg and a right knee, and according to Philippians 2, every knee is going to bow. Those are knees, that, it goes on to say, read it for yourself, things in heaven, things on the earth, and things under the earth. Every spirit, every demon, the devil, every preacher, every false prophet, every Christian, every backslider, every choir member, every musician, every son, daughter, father, mother is going to bow their knee to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there's just one among us. God, we thank you today for your loving kindness. And for your helping hand, God, today. Where would we be without your fellowship? Without your sweet fellowship, Lord. Where would we be without your word, God, directing our steps? Organizing our life? 
Where would we be, God, today if it weren't for the revelation of truth in our world today? It gives us purpose to serve and purpose to go on, purpose to push beyond the walls that seem to hold us back. Thank you, Lord. He's here today. Brother Bobby's in the altar with you right now.